This morning we're looking at Moses, the man of God. Let's all stand together. We're going to look at a message I call, God will make a way. God will make a way. Exodus 14 and 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And may God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. You may be seated. Passage before us today is one of the most famous in all of the Old Testament. I've looked forward to this message as such an incredible passage. I, I feel like, you know, what kind of sermon could I preach that would do this passage justice? And I don't know. The main thing I can do is just tell you what the Bible says and then tell you what it means to us. So that's kind of the formula we're going to follow this morning. The people of Israel are now leaving the land of Egypt, the only place they'd ever known. Moses had spent quite a bit of time in the land that they were headed into. Aaron had at least made a brief journey there. But as far as all the rest, they had never been outside of Egypt. Egypt was their home now and had been for their whole life. Ahead of them was a journey of about 100 miles Uh, To give you a reference, that's about like from here to Memphis. Now, it's a significant little trip for us from here to Memphis. You know that. Of course, once you get to Memphis, the adventure begins. Amen. I tell you, that's, whoa, pay attention. You'll be going the wrong way if you're not careful. Uh, My point being that even if they would have walked slowly and just taken a very casual trip, They could have been to the promised land in in two weeks at the most. A week if they would have really worked at it. I mean, we can walk two miles an hour. That's 16 miles a day. And that's a leisurely pace. Taking a break for lunch and taking care of the little guys. They could have been in Egypt in two weeks. Instead, it would take them over 40 years. God had a different plan for them in mind. They did not go the, the, most, uh, uh, the easiest route. They didn't go the quickest route. Instead of going to the east, which would have taken them into the land of Canaan, they instead go south. And we'll see what happened and how this all played out this morning. And the first thing that we're going to see is that God led them into a place of danger. God led them into a place of danger. Verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-Hiroth, between Migdol and the sea opposite of Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the children of Israel, They're bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh, and 
over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. They did so. We can only imagine the joy that they felt and the deliverance that they were experiencing, even though it came under such a somber uh, circumstance as the death of the firstborn all over Egypt. Uh, so even as they were playing and replaying those events in their minds, there had to be some incredible excitement and enthusiasm, maybe thinking that Egypt and Pharaoh was behind them, their troubles were over. But God wasn't through with Egypt yet. And so instead of leading them the way that would have gone around the Mediterranean Sea, that shortest route that would take them, of course, through the land of the Philistines as well, instead God took them south. And he led them to an area then where they would be hemmed up on two sides by steep mountains and the Red Sea would be in front of them. Remember, the Suez Canal wasn't dug back in those days, so if they would have gone around by the sea, they wouldn't even have had a a crossing to have dealt with at all. It had the Philistines to deal with, but instead they went south so that they would encounter the Red Sea and at a particular place where the only way out of where they were, as far as they could see, was the same way they'd come in. If you're familiar with the old western terminology, we'd call that a box canyon. But it really wasn't a canyon because it was the sea ahead of them. Still just as effective. Only one way out. The way you came in. That's all they could see. Vast Red Sea at that that point, depending on where it was exactly that they crossed. And we really don't know. But it could have been from 13 miles wide to 25 miles wide. But since you can only see just a little less than three miles over the sea from a, a horizon, if you're standing at sea level and about six foot tall, about three miles is as far as you can see before you dip below the horizon. What I'm telling you this morning, they couldn't see across the Red Sea. They might as well have been looking at the Pacific Ocean as far as they knew. See, the ocean was in front of them, mountains to the side. So the first of the dangers, the first of the troubles that they had to face was the sea itself. But notice it was not their enemies that put a sea in front of them. It was God. It was God. Verse 17, it came to pass when, uh, chapter 13, when it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, let's peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Verse 21 of chapter 13 would remind us that God was going before them in a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day. We'll talk more about that later. For now, just notice there could be no question. This wasn't just Moses. He wasn't just planning this out for them. God was obviously leading them and he led them straight to the sea. Still today, all of us tend to look for an experience with God that's going to put all our difficulties behind us. We'll turn a page. We've got this great experience with God and His grace. Whether it is our salvation 
or whether it is some time of rededication or a time of great revival, we think, man, this is going to be it. I'm just looking for that. Surely there is some experience. There must be something wrong with me because I keep having troubles. There must be something wrong. I, I, I still have problems. You need to look real carefully at this passage today. God led them to the sea. It was not what they would have wanted. It was not what they expected. How many of you have figured out by now that when it comes to God's leadership, he doesn't ask us for our opinion? And he often leads us in places that we would not go. In this passage, then, we see God leading them to a time of testing. And Scripture is full of examples of God leading his children into times of testing. When God puts us to the test, it's not like God is the teacher. And so he's testing us to find out whether we're proficient in the material or not. Uh, This is a different experience when God tests us. God already knows where we are. It is us who needs to know where we are. When God puts us to the test, he knew that Israel was not ready for battle. And there were two great issues that they were facing that they had to come to grips with. The first was that they had a weakness that they didn't know they had. They had no idea. And then secondly, God had power they didn't know he had. They, They had weakness they didn't know they had. And God had power they didn't know he had. And when you've got weakness that you don't know you have and and you don't know then the power of God, you're not ready to do battle. God knew that. And in fact, we'll see him putting them to the same test over and over and over again to show them their weaknesses, weaknesses they weren't aware of, and to show them his mighty power. For most of these people, they would be seeing this for the rest of their lives, literally. And for most of them, they would die without ever fully coming to grips with those two issues. It can take a lifetime for us to learn how great our God is and how weak we are. It did for most of them. And so their first problem that, they, that we see, their first danger was the sea itself that God put right in front of them, him to men. And the second of their problems or troubles, the second part of their danger is just as easy to see because right behind them came Pharaoh and his army, just like God had said. He said it in verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. We've seen this story before. And when he saw that they'd gone into this hemmed-in place and they'd lost their way apparently and they didn't know where they were going, they got confused. That's the only reason that he could figure out that they'd do something like this. So there they are. They're trapped. So Pharaoh loaded up all of his chariots and all of his armies and went after them. This shows up then, what shows this, is, it brings us to is an incredible time of deliverance that they've had from Pharaoh. But now here comes their old master. 
So that when Pharaoh, verse 10, drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and they cried out. The children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Far worse than the taskmasters that Pharaoh had put over them before, now he's brought his army, and you know their mission is murder. They're out to get them. So, in a way, though they have been delivered, their old master comes back and it seems to have gotten worse. Again, that's often our experience. We, we think maybe we've been delivered from some temptation or from some sin. We've been delivered from some problem. But then, it's not long into our Christian walk that we don't look and we see those things coming back and coming back with a vengeance. Sometimes after we're saved, it doesn't mean that our temptations go away. Sometimes they get worse. The enemy's out now to get us, and he's out with a vengeance. Sin pursued us before. Temptation troubled us before. But now after this amazing experience of God's grace, whether in salvation, whether it's in rededication, whether it's in a revival, regardless of whatever it is, whatever experience with God that we've had, we think, man, I've turned a page. It's not going to get any. But then it comes back, and sometimes it comes back worse than it ever has before. That does not mean that God's deliverance has failed. Hear me this morning, people. That does not mean that God's deliverance has failed. What it means is, is that he has a greater victory in store for us than we ever imagined. There's no way they could have imagined the victory that they were going to see. So there they were. They've got the sea in front of them. Now they've got Pharaoh's armies behind them. They've got one more problem. They've got a faithless and fearful heart. We need to remind ourselves this morning and learn from this passage that anytime we're lacking in faith, we'll be abounding in fear. Every time. If we're lacking in faith, our heart's not going to sit there with a vacuum in it. If our heart isn't filled with faith, it will be filled with fear every single time. But you know, Ephesians chapter 6 told us that we're supposed to take the shield of faith and that's going to quench then the fiery darts, the flaming arrows of the enemy. We don't have to fear an army with all of their arrows, with all their spears or all their swords and weaponry. We don't have to fear that because we can take the shield of what? Faith. 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 Love what the psalmist said, Psalm 56 and 3. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Did you see that in that great passage? Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. You ought to read Psalm 56. Not right now. <laughs> Not right now, but when you get home, on the way to read Psalm 56, you'll find that statement is made a couple of times in that psalm. It's a great passage. It wasn't their faith talking. It was their fear when they said to Moses, Moses, were there just no graves in Egypt? That you had to lead us out here into the wilderness so we could be killed here. Why didn't you just leave us alone? Pharaoh was going to work us to death there, but at least we wouldn't have had to walk all this way. That was their fear talking. That's not their faith. Moses knew it. 
They had faithless sin and fearful hearts. So they, they, had, uh, they had the sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army behind them, and a heart full of fear. They had three big problems, three big troubles, the danger then that they faced. But then, of course, we see God's deliverance, the deliverance. Verse 13, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. You see, Moses went straight to their problem. Don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. What a joy we see in these verses. You will see God's salvation today. Today. Did I mention it was today? You will see God's salvation today. It's a great time for us to be reminded this morning that our God is not just a yesterday God. Our God is not just a sweet by and by God. Our God is a today God too. So you'll see God's salvation today. Today. We don't have to just sit back and content ourselves praising God that for many dangerous toils and snares I have already come. We don't have to content ourselves praising God that yes, His grace has brought me safe thus far and His grace will see me home. When you're looking at the Red Sea in front of you and the armies of Pharaoh behind you and there's no way we need to remind ourselves our God is a today God. And the problems he got you through yesterday. And the problems he's going to get you through tomorrow. That's all wonderful. Yet it is his salvation today. And so he says to them. When Moses came to him. Well why are you calling to me Moses? I love this passage. Speak to the children of Israel to go forward. Forty years later. It wouldn't be this bunch. It would be their kids and grandkids. Forty years later, Moses and Aaron will have gone on to be with the Lord. Joshua will be leading them. They'll come up to another body of water. This time it's the Jordan River, the mighty river in flood stage. And what does God do then? He tells the priest to take the ark that was leading them. And do what? Wade out in the river. And when they waded out in the river, the Bible says, the waters of the Jordan River piled up in a heap. And it just cleared out before them. They could walk right. Don't you realize they could have done the same thing here? God said, speak to the people that they go forward. Well, they wasn't ready for that kind of miracle. (laughs) Uh -uh, That that, that wasn't it. Speak to the people that they go forward. They could have seen that. Uh, But they saw a mighty miracle just the same. And so God told Moses to hold out the rod, stretch it out over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel will go on dry ground. The Bible tells us that God caused a strong east wind to blow all night. Now, if you look at the Red Sea on a map, you'll see that it's moving north and south, almost due north at that particular place, north and south. So if they were on this side of the sea and this wind was blowing from the east, it was blowing in their faces. It was blowing towards them, not away from them. It's blowing towards them. This was an east wind. They're, they're northeast, 
East was, wind was blowing in their face, a, a howling wind, a strong wind. But there was no storm surge. It didn't even cause a high tide. This was no natural phenomena. And if anybody ever tries to tell you that, just tell them, shake your head and say, no, no, this was not a natural phenomena. The wind was blowing in their face. It didn't just blow the water away from them. It wasn't some little marsh and it just dried up. No, no, it wasn't any of that. This was a supernatural experience and power and work of God. God didn't cause the water to blow away as it does. No, he caused the water to stand up on either side. So that there was a wall on this side and a wall on this side. And verse 22 says, Then they stepped out into the midst of the sea on the dry ground. And the waters were walled to them on their right hand and on their left. What's this mean? It means God made a way where there was no way. And he did it in such a way so that everybody knew that God had made a way. Where there was no way. There was no possible explanation for this. But that God had done it by his incredible power. God took care of the obstacle that was before them. The danger that was before them. That seemed so insurmountable. So impossible. Just a few hours before. And now it's gone. And it's dry ground. God wasn't finished. There's more to the story. Verse 19, and the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. What's that mean? Well, remember that pillar of cloud and fire that was before them. So here they are. They step out in the water and that pillar of cloud came over them then and went behind them and then settled on Pharaoh and his armies. So they were there in the darkness And not only that, but it was a cloud in darkness to the Egyptians, but it gave light by night to the other. Someday I'm going to preach a sermon just on that. How that the same God with the same cloud could be darkness on one side and light on the other. Just depends on which side you're on. Are you on the side of faith? Are you on the side of the people of God? Then this can be light to you. But those on the other side... We're in darkness. Came to pass then in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians and he took off their chariot wheels. I think this is the origin of the expression. They ran a wheel off. I think uh, that's where it came from. So that they drove them with difficulty. (laughs) I would say, yeah, that's uh, pretty tough. And the Egyptians said, remember the Egyptians who didn't know the Lord? They didn't know Jehovah God, never heard of that name, didn't know the God, the Lord God of Israel. They didn't know him, now they do. The Egyptians said, the Lord, Jehovah, fights for them against the Egyptians. So we see another great truth demonstrated. You know, God will never lead us into anything he can't get us out of. If you're following God, times get tough. 
Keep following God. God will never lead you into anything that he can't get you out of. Well, you know how the story ends. God told Moses, stretch the rod out again. The waters returned over the Egyptian army then with this result. In verse 30, the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So... We see the danger. We see the deliverance. There's one more thing. And that is the divine design. The divine design. Certainly we see how God showed his salvation to Israel today. Where there had been fear, now there's faith. Where there had been a troubled heart, now they were believing the truth of God that Moses had told them. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hold your peace. That meant be quiet. The danger before them and the danger behind them were both taken care of by God. There was something else at work. More than they could have ever known at the time. I'd like to go all the way over into the New Testament in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to find out what else was at work in this story. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. One, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So that the Apostle Paul looked back at this passage in the time where they crossed through the waters of the Red Sea with the water on, and then, but that cloud that was before them, but then passed over them and covered them and went back behind them. He saw this then as a picture or type of baptism in the New Testament. And we know that's exactly what it was because Paul wrote that for us in his word. That they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. In that first passage, in that same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, he told us that these things happened unto them for examples and are written for our instruction or admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. And what that means is that these passages are designed to teach us just like they were designed to teach the people in Corinth so long ago. They were baptized into Moses. Paul would use this as an example of how baptism is a symbol of our dedication to God. God could have taken them around the Red Sea. He didn't have to take them there. He designed it that way. And he designed it uh, not only to deliver them, not only to show his power over Pharaoh, not only to test them so that they would see the weakness in their heart and so that they would see the power of God. But something else was there. God was showing them the design of baptism. And it is a very interesting picture. You see, there crossing the Red Sea was not what delivered them. They'd already been delivered. God brought them out under the blood of the Lamb. Now, their old master Pharaoh might have come after them again, but of course, he's not going to get to them. (laughs) Uh, But what we're seeing then is that baptism was a sign, a symbol of their dedication to God. 
speak to the people that they go forward, God said. And the way forward for them was through the waters of baptism. Baptism is not our salvation experience. Baptism has never and will never save anybody. It is not for water to wash away our sins. Because in 1 John, we are told that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then there is no sin left for the water to wash away. Baptism has never saved anybody. It is our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. But once we have been saved, once we've been delivered from that bondage of sin, God says, go forward. And going forward, remember, God led them a long way south (laughs) so they could go forward through the water. And it would be centuries later before we'd find out that that was all about baptism. When they're we're immersed then in the waters of that sea, water on this side, water on this side, water above them. They were baptized then under Moses. It was a sign of their dedication to God. It's a step of obedience. For you, for me, every bit as it is as much as it was a step of obedience for them. It was not something for them to put off for some later or distant time, although many do. But if you have been saved and you put off that decision to follow the Lord in baptism, I've warned you, months have a way of turning into years and years into decades and decades into a lifetime. And I've, 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 I've encountered many people who were saved early on in life but have never followed the Lord in baptism. It's not too late for you. That's number one. But there's a warning. Because you see, baptism is about saying to the world, okay, and to ourselves, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm going on. I'm, I'm moving forward in my faith. I have been delivered from my sin. That, that time is behind me. And I'm going on not going to serve my old master anymore. I'm going on. And so when we put off that decision of baptism, we lose time, valuable time, that we could spend living for God and serving God. And that time cannot be regained. The way forward then is through baptism. But if you read on in 1 Corinthians 10 and in Exodus, you'll also see that even their baptism, even though they'd been delivered, even though they had followed the Lord by faith, even though they went through the waters of baptism and were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, it did not mean that there would be no errors, no failures, no catastrophic sins in their future. There were. And for many of them including, by the way, Moses and Aaron. They would die in the wilderness and never set foot in the promised land. Even though they were delivered, even though they were baptized, and that's why 1 Corinthians 10, 12 gives us that somber warning. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
not talking about losing our salvation. That's not possible. It's talking about losing our testimony. It's talking about falling away from our ability to serve God. It's talking about maybe even losing our life. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Take heed. Take heed. Take heed. So we've got three then great dangers that they faced. They faced the Red Sea ahead of them, armies of Pharaoh behind them, their own fearful heart. But, but God delivered them from their dangers. And then we see there was a divine design. No way that they could have seen that. No way that Moses could have seen that. No way that any of them could have seen it. But it was there. And God revealed it in his own time. And he revealed it for us. So that just as we saw last week with Passover. And reminded ourselves then of how important the Lord's Supper really is. We can look at this passage today. Isn't it interesting that both of them are right here in this Old Testament? I didn't make this up. Not only we see the Lord's Supper pictured in Passover, but we also see baptism pictured in the Red Sea crossing. Both are important. And they emphasize why that God reminded us that the church, a church just like this one, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the New Testament church, is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's why we need the church. It's why church is important. It's why having a church home is vital as part of God's plan for us, the divine design. Few observations then to close out with today will be done. First, of course, our God isn't just a yesterday God or a sweet by and by God. Our God is a to get today God too. I don't know what obstacles loom in front of you or what's chasing you down from behind. I don't have to know because I know the God who says to you, I, you'll see my salvation today. God is still in the delivering business. When our faith is weak, our fear is strong. Remember the disciples prayed, Lord, increase our faith. That's something we need a lot. Take away from us today, I hope you will, that God will never lead us in anything he won't get us out of. And that sometimes the dangers God leads us into happen because there are things in us that we don't know about. Or maybe there's a fresh experience of God's power that we need to have. But overall, we can go out of here this morning reminding ourselves that the way forward, speak to the people that they go forward, the way forward is not lingering in fear on the shore. That would have been deadly. The way forward was not lingering in fear, but it was moving forward in faith and obedience. That's where we experience God's victory by our faith. It's no wonder then the Bible tells us in such emphatic language, this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our 
Well, six of you know it, so I'll tell all the rest of you. This is, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith. Our faith. Yeah. Do you have that faith? You know God through Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you followed him in baptism? Are you moving forward in your Christian life? Oh, but Brother Rich, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't have to know. Because I know the God that lives in you through Jesus Christ. Today, you can see his deliverance. If there's a step of obedience you need to take today, hope you will.